man, I was hoping. I actually, first service kind of did the same thing, and I had to remind them, I'm going to remind you, at Grace Church, no golf claps are loud. Come on, let's clap louder, huh? Hey. Yeah. Plus, it's more fun when you clap loud. Um, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning before we get into the message. Father God, thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you for what you have done. Uh, we thank you for what you are currently doing, Lord, and we thank you for what you're going to do. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to the minds, you would speak to the hearts, you would speak directly into the souls of people here today. I pray that we would leave here challenged, we would leave here changed, we would leave here encouraged, we would leave here motivated to draw closer to you. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Before we get started this morning, I just want to give us a couple updates, give us a couple reminders of some things that are coming up here at Grace Church, some things that are going to be happening in and around Grace Church. But uh, if you want to mark some things down on your calendar, we got some great things ahead. September 4th, it's a Sunday, Labor Day weekend, Sunday, September 4th. We are actually going to be the church, okay? We're going to gather here, both services are going to gather here at 9 o'clock on Sunday, September 4th. We're hoping that it's standing room only. And uh, then we are going to pray. We're going to kind of have a, just a, a quick word of encouragement. And we are going to go out of this place. And we are going to be the church. We're going to love our community. We're calling it Love This Town Sunday. And what we are doing, we are serving some widows within our church. We are going to be serving at Hesperus Bible Camp. We are going to be serving at Florida Mesa Elementary School. Uh, we're going to be serving at Durango Nature Studies. If you remember, Durango Nature Studies was the, the organization that had the event at the park. Uh, we went and served there. We uh, painted kids' faces, and they said, Grace Church made our event. We're going to be serving them again. We're also going to be doing some things in and around Grace Church. So Sunday, September 4th, show up with your work clothes on, ready to serve, and we are going to love this town as best as we possibly can. Mark that down. We're going to go out from this place and be the church. It's going to be a great, great day. Also, want to let you know, next Sunday, August 28th, we are having a baptism Sunday. If you have never taken that step to proclaim your faith to the world, if you have never taken that step to identify with the body and the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we encourage you, we invite you. Next Sunday, we are going to be having baptisms during um, the uh, worship service, and we're also going to be having baptisms after the second service. We're going to be gathering as the church uh, down by the river. There's some that want to get baptized in the river, and I think Keith are going to do those baptisms, right, in the river? All right. Um, no, but we just want to... Uh, uh, kidding, I'll get in the river. Um, we just want to encourage you to be there for that. So Sunday, August 28th, next Sunday, you can, uh, as you leave the service today, you can sign up um, at the welcome desk to get baptized, or you can also go online um, and uh, register there as well. Uh, highly, highly encourage you to do so. Also, next Sunday, it's going to be a great day. You want to be here. We're going to hear from our team that was sent out from Grace to Juarez, Mexico. We're going to hear from them. We're going to hear some stories from them. We're going to hear their experiences. It's going to be a great time uh, together. Let me, let me start out by telling you a story, okay? Let me tell you a story 
about a guy named John Doe. <laughs> you guys know John Doe, right? John's a very successful businessman. He's a wonderful husband. He's a great father. John is a wonderful servant in his local church. God saved John in his early 20s, and by that point, he had already had a well-established career, and uh, his career was in civil engineering. John loves Jesus Christ, and he wanted to see others come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. John loves Jesus, and he wanted to see others come into relationship with Jesus. And John knew that nothing was more important than the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He loved the Word of God. John loves the Word of God. John also led a couple of his co-workers to Christ. But you know, John, he always wondered, he always wondered why God had never called him into full-time ministry. Why had God never called me? John always had this feeling. He had this feeling that he was kind of lesser for some reason. He had this feeling like he was on the JV, and all the full-time ministers were on varsity. John always kind of felt like he was a little bit second class. Church, there is a powerful lie that has spread throughout the church of God. And in many ways, it has crippled the mission of God. The widespread myth is the belief that a calling into ministry is a secondary experience that happens only to a special few. A calling into ministry only happens to the spiritually elite or those that are at the top of the spiritual world. Many Christians believe only the spiritual top or the spiritually elite Christians get to do the ministry. While everyone else, okay, the congregants, you, everyone else gets to faithfully show up to all the events that are planned, and you get to pay the bills. (laughs) According to the book of Acts, Men like John Doe are not on the JV team. They are on God's varsity. They are God's plan A to reach the world. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are all on equal footing. It's called the priesthood of the believers. We are all ambassadors of Jesus Christ. All of us. Look at 1 Peter. Let's look together at 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at verses 9 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. It says this. For you are a chosen people. You. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this as, as clear as I know how. When he says you, he's talking about you. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you 
out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Once, you had no identity as a people. But now you are God's people. Once, you received no mercy. But now you have received God's mercy. Verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. This world is not our home, church. We are foreigners just passing through. I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. Most churches look to the pastors to do the work of ministry. But the reality is, the truth is, Jesus entrusted the ministry to the entire church. To every disciple, every one of you, Jesus says in Matthew 4.19, He says, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. That was not spoken just to me. That was spoken to all of us. All believers are priests. All believers are ministers. All saints, all of you, all of you who are sitting right here who profess to believe and to follow Jesus Christ, all of you have been called. Everyone is called. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11-13 through 13 tells us that pastors are merely equippers. Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11-13. through 13. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Verse 12, their responsibility... My job is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature, we'll be grown up in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The saints, you are responsible for ministry. You are. While the pastors, the the full-time staff, our responsibility is to equip, is to prepare, is to train. The reality is, we are all on mission. We are all called of God. Missional living, living your life on mission, applies to everyone. It applies to all of us. God has given every one of us gifts and talents and abilities. And every follower of Jesus Christ in whatever career you're in is called to minister, is called to spread the gospel. Every one of us. If you're in business, you need to ask yourself this question. You need to ask yourself, why did God make me good 
at business? Why did God bless me with this ability, with this, with this talent? I can tell you a few reasons of why he didn't bless you with that talent. Okay? First of all, he didn't bless you with that talent to fill up on earthly treasures. That was not his motivation. He didn't bless you with that ability to make you more comfortable. And he didn't bless you with that ability so that you could spend the last third of your life on vacation. That's not why God gave you that ability and those talents and those gifts. He gave you those talents. He gave you those abilities. He gave you those gifts as a way to bless others. He gave you those gifts and those talents and those abilities as a platform to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we have many people in Grace Church who because of their business skills, they've made lots of money. Many of these people are greatly involved in ministry because they understand and they know that God was generous to them. So in turn, they are happily generous to other people. They are fully committed to the spread of the gospel. There are many people who have been greatly blessed of God and they live simply. They live very simply and they give extravagantly. You know, most people, though, they wouldn't view these individuals as full-time ministers. They wouldn't view them that way. But their calling, their work of ministry is, is every bit as important as mine. Their calling is as every bit as real as mine. Listen, church, I'm a professional Christian. I get to be paid to be good. These people are good for nothing. Okay? You know what I mean. They're good for nothing. If you're a stay-at-home mom, if your ministry is to your family, you're a stay-at-home mom, you need to ask yourself, what role am I playing to advance the mission of God. Let me just brag on my wife for a minute. My wife, Trisha, she sees the raising of our four boys. By the way, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. And I believe it's the toughest job out there. She sees the raising of her four boys, my four boys, our four boys, as missional work. She is a missionary in our home. It's very important, missional work. Her prayer before they were even born was that they would become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And by God's grace and to our excitement, we are thrilled. I am thrilled to say that each one of our boys have made the decision on their own to follow Jesus Christ, and they've all been baptized. And that is a great time for you to clap. No golf claps. No golf claps. Good. All right, man, we're doing good, church. Trisha understands that her boys are like arrows. 
that God has placed into the hands of a warrior. My wife is a warrior. And God has given her arrows. And her job is to draw back those arrows and to launch them deep into the heart of the enemy. And she takes that job extremely serious. And in doing that work, she is advancing the mission of God. You know, being in this stage of life, Trisha is able to relate with other mothers. She's able to disciple other mothers who are going through the same things. She can relate with them. She can talk with them about the, the sibling rivalries, you know, the bickering and the fighting and don't quit breathing my air and drawing lines in the backseat of the car and, you know, all the fighting that takes place. Like, she can relate. She can connect. She can disciple other mothers because they're going through the same things. She's using those opportunities to advance the gospel. You know, those same principles, church, they apply, just like what she's doing as a mother, they apply if you're a public school teacher. You can advance the mission of God. They apply if you're a carpenter, if you're an engineer, if you're a realtor, if you're a chef. You may not be a pastor of a local church, but you can be a pastor in your vocation. And like Pastor Bill Hybels said, what this world really needs is more pastors of businesses Pastors of construction crews and warehouse workers, pastors of branches in the military, leaders who will treasure what God treasures. God has put you on the front lines. And what if, just what if, He's using your vocation to do that? Church, leverage your vocation. Leverage it to God's glory. God has given you a specific vocation and you need to use it for His glory. In J.D. Greer's book, he's a pastor, he wrote a book called Gaining by Losing. And he talks about Martin Luther, you know, the theologian Martin Luther, who said, your secular vocation is like a mask that God uses to care for the world. Martin Luther said this, he said, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, you know the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We say it all the time. How does God answer that prayer? How does God answer the prayer of give us this day our daily bread? He does so, Luther said, by means of the farmer who planted and harvested the grain. He does so through the baker who made the flour into bread. He does so with the person who prepared the meal. All of these are in play when God answers our prayers for daily bread. The word vocation. Did you know that the word vocation actually means to call? You have all been called. 
What if our vocations were our sacred callings from God? I have to... uh, I told a story about my wife. I kind of bragged on her. And now I'm going to tell a story about my mom and brag on her. And my motivation is I want a good lunch today. All right? That's why I'm doing this. My mom works at Mercy Medical Center. And she takes care of all the kids for, you know, all the employees. She works at the daycare center there. If you know my mom, she is a servant. She serves, and she serves, and she serves. And she loves people. She loves kids. She's an incredible woman. But God is using my mom's vocation. She's taking care of kids at Mercy Medical Center. She's used, God's using her vocation to bless and to minister to many, many people. God is using her contacts, people that she knows, to minister to those in the hospital. My mom was burdened to reach out to people in the hospital, and she was burdened because she heard some needs arise. Some of the nurses were expressing a need that they don't have some of the necessities that patients need on a day-in and day-out basis. And so... My mom felt burdened by this, and she started uh, recruiting. She started spreading the word. Long story short, she does these things called kindness bags. Jesus Christ and Grace Church is represented on every floor at Mercy Medical Center. They have kindness bags that they give to the patients when they come to, pr- to provide the necessities that they need for personal hygiene, toothbrushes, washcloths, a variety of different other items. The other thing that's really cool about this is their small group, they're in the Paxton small group, they have taken this on. This this ministry is not a budgeted item for Grace Church. It's not, you won't find it in the budget. Because this small group took it on. They said, we're going to do this ministry because we want to go all out. And so the small group rallied around it. And they are advancing the gospel in our community. I want to show you some pictures of, of uh, this group. Um, that's my beautiful mom right there in Maryland. and uh, Their small group. and That's a picture of them over at the hospital. But my mom's just like, I'm going to... Use what I have. I, uh, I'm, I'm just going to do something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the gifts, the talents. I know of a need. And I'm going to do my best to meet that need in the name of Jesus Christ to advance the mission of God. It's incredible. If you talk to my mom, uh, probably in about a month and a half, you'll, you'll begin to feel that she and the small group, they're pretty much going to take over the world. Um, all right, she's very passionate about this. Um, they have dreams of, of rep- being uh, representing at uh, Rivergate. They've already uh, taken kindness bags over into uh, a nursing home. They were able to lead an elderly man to Jesus Christ a couple weeks ago. Uh, gosh, they're just they're advancing. They're going all out. Going all out looks <laughs> it doesn't look the same. It can, it can look so different, church. What God has done is He has blessed each and every one of us with gifts and talents and abilities. And that's why the Scripture says, 
whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, God created the world, and He said that it was good. Now, this may be a challenge to some of you, but God didn't say that it was perfect. Good is good, but good is not perfect. Perfect means that it cannot be improved upon. God put humans into a good creation, not a perfect one. And God gave them the responsibility to cultivate the creation into all that it could be. God made Adam a gardener. He did not make him a park ranger. You know, a park ranger uh, preserves the natural habitat, but a gardener, a gardener develops it. The scripture says that we were created in the image of God. What does that mean, church? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Twelve times... In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, it says that God created. Being in the image of God means that we are to be creative. We get to co-create with God. We get to develop the raw materials of the earth for His glory and for the benefit of others. Let me give you an example. It's found in Psalm chapter 147, and we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. Okay, let me give you an example of what this means. Psalm 147, verses 13 and 14, it says, For he, speaking of God, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates and has blessed your children within your walls. He sends peace across your nation and he satisfies your hunger with the finest wheat. Ah, man, that's just so encouraging. Isn't that so good? It sounds good. But my question is, is how does that happen? How does God accomplish these things? How does God strengthen the bars of your gates? How does He strengthen your cities? I believe He does so with city planners, with architects. He does so by using politicians who pass good laws to protect the city. How does He bless our children within our walls. He does so through the work of mothers. He does so through the work of teachers and pediatricians. How does God make peace in our borders? He does so by the means of good lawyers. He does so by the means of good police officers. He does so by the means of a strong military. How does He fill us with the finest wheat? He does so through farmers and factory workers and restaurant owners. Listen, church, if God has given you a secular skill, if He's given you a secular skill in business, in painting, landscaping, medicine, art, there is nothing second class about a secular skill. He has blessed you and He has given you that on purpose so that you can bless others. Serving Jesus at work is about doing your work to the glory of God. And it's about doing your work for the benefit of others. It's about respectfully 
uh, leveraging appropriate opportunities to make disciples through those relationships at work. And I believe this is one of the least understood concepts in the Christian church. Because falsely, many Christians believe it's the job of the pastors. It's the job of the full-time paid staff to do all the ministry. There couldn't be a bigger lie. Don't be like Jack. Don't be like Jack. When I was a freshman in high school, I worked at Lori's Family Dining. This will, uh, how many of you remember Lori's Family Dining? This will help me know if there's some locals in here. Yeah, all right, Lori's Family Dining. If you remember, uh, I was actually in high school, I, I was a busboy, but if you remember the slogan, it was always on like the late uh, license plates on the cars. The, the slogan at Lori's Family Dining was eggs and legs, okay? And it probably should have been um, eggs and old legs, but... Jack got a job at Lori's Family Dining bussing tables, okay? And Jack was a Christian. The only problem was he was very honestly disrespectful and in your face about his faith. He was always talking about Jesus, but he was never working. He was never working. No one wanted to work with Jack because they knew... Man, if Jack is on the same shift as me, I'm going to have to work doubly hard because he is lazy. And I know he's going to preach at me during the whole shift. Listen, that kind of a witness doesn't bring people to Jesus Christ. It actually repulses people from Christ. And it doesn't bring glory to Christ. As Christians, we should be the hardest workers. We should be the ones who are trying to make the company or the or the corporation, or wherever you work, we're trying to make it succeed. We're trying to honor our boss. Don't be like Jack. Don't be like that. The win of Grace Church is to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And this isn't just some fancy slogan. This is the mission of our church. Every Christian has been called to make disciples. You've been called to use your vocation to the glory of God and for the blessing of others. And you've been called to make disciples. And listen, church, you don't have to pray about it. It's written in the pages of Scripture. Your calling is written right there in the pages of Scripture, and it starts with the word, go. Go into all the world. Let me ask you a couple questions, church. What skill has God given you to bless the world? What, what are you good at? What's your passion? What's your passion? What is it that gets your blood pumping? And it's like, man, I, this, this is firing me up. What's your passion? Or to say it in business terms, what's your moneymaker? What is the gifts or the talents that God has given you to even to make money? Maybe this skill was given to you by God. And maybe through this skill, God can bless the world. God can use that skill to advance the gospel. What if? The next question I'd like to ask is, 
Where and how are you advancing the mission of God? Where will your skill bring the greatest service to others? What if you thought about your vocation as a means to spread the gospel? Listen, business is a great tool to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are countries that are closed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know this. They will not allow missionaries in. They will not allow the teachings of Christianity, the teachings of Christ. They will not allow the Bible to go into these countries. But these closed countries are wide open to business, to businessmen, to businesswomen. Wide open. The advancement of the gospel has been spread into many of these closed countries uh, uh, back in the day through uh, the teaching of English. A lot of people, a lot of missionaries would go into these closed countries because they were inviting them in as English teachers. And they would go in and teach English and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I believe that door is closing and the new door that is opening is the door of business. Every country that is closed to the gospel is open to business. What if God is going to use business to advance the gospel? I also find this very fascinating. If you were to get a map and you were going to lay the map of the world, let's say I laid a map of the world over this table, and you were to identify the most underdeveloped and extreme poverty-stricken places in the world, okay, you identified those on the world map, and then you laid over a map on top of that that shows the places in the world that are the least developed when it comes to business, did you know that they match up almost identically? The places that are most closed to the gospel, that are the most extreme, poverty-stricken, are also the places that are the least developed and do not have business opportunities. You know, what's also fascinating is God is using many businessmen and businesswomen to take the gospel all over the world. And guess what? Many of them are paying their own way. Their mission trips are not costing the church a dime. They're paying their own way because they have the means and the ability to do so. And as a matter of fact, many of them are earning money as they spread the gospel. And let me just ask the question, is this biblical? Justin, is what you're saying, is this biblical? Well, consider Priscilla and Aquila. They worked alongside the Apostle Paul and they leveraged their tent-making business to support the work of spreading The gospel, yes, it's biblical. Church, the call has already been given. Okay, we don't have to wait around for spirit voices or for a warm, fuzzy feeling. Matthew 28, 19 says, Grace Church, put your name in there. It says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit, there is no gray area there. God has given us a directive. He's given us a command to go. Are you with me? All right. When Grace Church begins to operate, 
with the understanding that every one of us is called. I believe our approach to missions, our approach to mobilization, our approach to going out will shift dramatically. We won't limit our mission engagement to a bulletin board in the lobby that has a picture of just a few people that we look to as the elite Christians, as important as that is. But we will begin to view each and every one of us as missionaries to be equipped. Each and every one of us as missionaries to go out into the world. We will see every member of our church as missionaries for the work of ministry. Missionaries that need to be equipped, that need to grow up for the work of ministry. And like Charles Spurgeon said, he, had a, he has a way of being a lot more blunt than I can be. He said, you're either a missionary or you're an imposter. I think that's pretty clear. Our goal is not to send some. Our goal is not to send even the best. Our goal is to send everyone into the mission. Into the mission. Our goal is to send everyone into Durango, into La Plata County, around the world. The church doesn't just send missionaries. The church is the missionary. So let me ask, what role has God given you to play in the expansion of His kingdom? Listen, Grace Church must be an aircraft carrier. And every believer is a fighter plane that must be equipped and sent out into the fight. Because that's what it is, church. We are in a spiritual war. Our enemy is not against flesh and blood. But we are in a spiritual war. Our our enemy is the principalities and the rulers and the darkness of this world. Church, let me just leave you this morning with some encouragement. Let me leave you this morning with some verses to hopefully, my prayer is that it will encourage you in the fight. Because you all are ministers. You all are priests. You all are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Before I read these verses, I just want to invite the band on stage. They're going to close out our service this morning with, with a song. But as they're making their way, let me read these passages of Scripture. And once again, my prayer, my motivation is that it will encourage you, that it will strengthen you for the fight ahead. The first one is found in Deuteronomy chapter 31. In verse 6, it says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Isaiah chapter 41 in verse 10, it says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Our God is awesome. 1 Corinthians 10.13 The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. It's no different. We're all facing The same temptations. We're all going through the same thing called life. 
the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. God is faithful, Grace Church. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, when you are tempted with fear, with doubt, with lust, when you're tempted to run, to quit, He will show you a way out of that temptation so you can endure. So you can run the race to the very end. Let's do it, Grace Church. Father God, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. And I pray, Lord, for your spirit to minister to them, to encourage them, to strengthen them for the days ahead. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be an aircraft carrier where Christians can be equipped, they can be grown up in their faith, they can be trained. And Lord, they will be sent out into the fight. And Lord, when great mighty things are done in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that all the glory will be given to you. And we won't still even an ounce of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.